What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Dr. Diamond Dog. Tracy's. And with me tonight is me amigo, Mr. Miggity Mac. <laughs> Quick reminder, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com or on our Facebook page at Adventures in Video Land. We are critics with attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language. Mm. That's not really our style, so we'll try to keep this... PG-13? Yeah, just mild language and colorful artistic nudity. Very colorful. Also, spoiler alert, if you don't want tonight's movie ruined, pause the episode, watch the movie, and come back later. With that said, tonight we'll be talking about Pantheon nomination number nine, the final from the council this year, Coco. Ooh, hitting 2020 off right. Nominated by Jeremy Clifford with guest voter April McBoom. Mm-hmm. Before we get to any of that, let's chat about Pantheon. Mr. Miggity Mac, what is Pantheon? Pantheon is uh, the hall of special movies, those must-see films that sit up on that special shelf. Mm. These are those movies that hit on all cylinders. I think Nathan Plantinga coined that term. The, the Yeah, yeah. The special the shelf. The special shelf? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's awesome because I actually built a special shelf in my office oh. at home. It has all my AV companion stuff on it. Uh, copies of all the movies that I have in my possession. So you were saying it hits on all cylinders. Yeah, direction, acting, uh, music, uh, writing, script, special score. effects, score, and mm-hmm. the special X factor. Yeah, that thing that just gives it the. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this also is best of its genre. So if it's uh, if it is of a particular type, that this is an exemplar. Right, like you know. a like a, a a full motion animated feature. Yeah, it's an exemplar of that. That. So, how does Pantheon work from the council perspective? Well, there are nine council members. Okay. Each one, when a nomination is made, does a five hundred word write up and decides yay or nay. So there's nine yes or no votes there. Then the, there's a there's a guest voter, and the guest voter April McBoom this time also does a write up and gets a vote. So that makes a tenth vote. And then there's a Facebook poll on the AV Facebook page, and the 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 yes no whichever one gets the most votes that counts as one for a total of eleven. So then, out of the eleven, how many do they need? Seven. They need to get a two thirds majority, which math says is seven. Right. So if they get seven yeses, then that movie is put forevermore. On the special shelf. And they are never forgotten. Yes. Up on the special shelf. Okay, we'll do a quick rundown of the movies that we've looked at so far. This year? Uh, This year, we'll start bottom of the list there. Sure. Psycho. Psycho was the first nomination. It got 8 of 11. The Apartment. Uh, a three of eleven. It didn't quite make it. Just well, missed it. The documentary "Won't You Be My Neighbor." Yes, nine of eleven. It's in Pantheon. Schindler's List. Clean sweep. Eleven of eleven. Seven Samurai. Oh, beautiful Japanese movie. Eight of eleven. The foundation of so many other movies. Chef. One. One vote out of eleven. That was the person who nominated. The nominator. Yeah. yeah. This is not a bad movie, by the way. None no. of these movies are bad movies. No. They just not a Pantheon. Movie. Fight Club. 8 out of 11, it made it. And some like it hot, our movie from last time. Ah. You know, while nobody's perfect, this movie is darn near perfect with a 9 of 11. And uh, so we have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 
It's been uh, a banner of the year. Eight, so it's been a banner year for Pantheon selection for nominations from yeah. the council. Good nominations. Also, just want to point out for the sake of the movie discussion that we'll have about yes. Coco. So going down the list, yes. we have black and white movies or movies with black and white here. Psycho. Psycho the, apartment. the Apartment. Won't, Won't you, you Be My Neighbor has uh, has clips in it. Schindler's, Schindler's list. list. The first four had black and white. Seven Samurai. The first, first five. five. Chef. Very yeah. colorful. Fight Club. Colorful. Some Like It Hot. Six. There you go. Uh, it, it had a color version, but we definitely looked at the black and white for it. We did. So uh, there are... Many, many black and white films this time around on this season. I don't know how it happened that way. It just came out that way. But to make up for all of the color lost in all of the movies. We put it all into one? We put it all into one and we're watching Coco, which has every color imaginable. All of them. There were colors in Coco I didn't know existed. <laughs> yeah. And I'm now so happy that I found that color. So, uh, a little bit of foreplay before we begin uh, you today. You PG-13. Yeah, well, you know, you know, PG-13. Artistic, this will be artistic. Oh, oh, sorry, this is the artistic. Yeah. Um, so, you have a special connection to Disney movies and Disney yourself. I do, I do. Um, just, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about that so they can get to know you? And A, a lot of people don't know that I'm the illegitimate son of yeah. Walt Disney. Actually, yeah. that's, that's not true at all, no. Uh, no, actually, my family yes. uh, is connected to Disney in a number of ways. And not that this is unique. A lot of American families are connected in all the same ways. But my children all grew up listening to uh, Disney sing-along movies. But also, we would travel every year, at least once, sometimes twice, down to Orlando and just spend a week or more just running around Disney World. It was a big part of the kind of memories that we built with our children in their much younger years. Also, my one of my daughters uh, went down and worked right out of high school, got a job uh, in what is effectively their college program, um, working at Disney f in an extended few extra months. And of course we were down there quite a bit when she was working down there. And Disney's just sort of a big part of and, our my children's lives, and you have uh, even before Disney Plus was out and everything, yes. you had all yes. of the Disney movies. We still have all of the plastic clamshell VHS yeah. tapes, mostly because of the artwork on the boxes, but the tapes are still in there. Our kids have watched all those tapes many, many times. We have literally every single Disney movie ever, and uh, some of your pets. Uh, are named after Disney characters? Yes. In fact, uh, all of our pets yeah. are named after Disney. All of the ones over the last decades. But they're all, but they're all named in, in obscure ways, just for one example. Uh, in the Tarzan movie, well, I realize that the Tarzan story was not written by Disney. That's Edgar Rice Burroughs. But, but, uh, but the Tarzan Disney movie, the mother, uh, Ape, who took care of Tarzan, was named Kala. And my dog is named Kala. Yeah. And, and many, many other examples. And many other examples. And, and I, I have connections to, to Disney as well, not not as fully as you. I've, I went a couple times with my family as a kid and, uh, you know, certainly watched all the movies. And because I had kid, little kids, we watched lots of the movies. Lots, right? Yeah, yeah. The um, sing-alongs and the... And like even, my, even my cabin uh, property up there is named after all Disney. It's all Pooh Corner, and yeah. the boat's named Eeyore, and the whole dealio. The, uh, and, and, and Pixar, while it was more of a, a recent uh, adoption by Disney, is now part of the Disney franchise. Fully ingrained within yeah. Disney. 
Uh, and and they have made many great movies, mm-hmm. and we're talking about one of them tonight, which is Coco. So let's walk down a synopsis of the movie. Uh, Coco is rated PG. It's an animation family genre movie. Director Lee Unkridge, who directed Toy Story 3, uh, also helped direct with Finding Nemo and Monsters, Inc., Toy Story 2. Uh, screenplay by Adrian Molina, Monsters University, and Matthew Aldrich. Produced by Darla K. Anderson, who did Toy Story 3 and a, a number of other Pixar films. Music uh, by Michael uh, Giacchino, Incredibles, Up, Ratatouille, Ratatouille and a, a bunch of shows. Mm-hmm. Lost and Star Trek movie mm-hmm. and um, cinematography by Matt Asbury and uh, Danielle Feinberg, edited by Steve Bloom. It was in theaters U.S., mm-hmm. uh, in November uh, 22, 2017, it was released somewhere else, like, uh, I saw on the wiki page of, like, Mauritius or Mauritania or something like that earlier in earlier, October, yeah. but it was in theaters, U.S., November 22. Runtime of 105 minutes, studio Walt Disney and Pixar, distributed by Walt Disney, and it has a cast, uh, it stars an all-Latino cast, uh, Anthony Gonzalez, uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, uh, Benjamin Bratt, Alana Ubach, uh, Renee Victor, Ana Filio uh, Murguia, Edward James Olmos, uh, and uh, also Cheech Marin. And Cheech Marin, yes. Yeah, he's in there as well. Can you uh, give us the just the little Google synopsis? Yeah, from Google. Despite his family's generations-old ban on music, young Miguel dreams of becoming an accomplished Musician like his idol, Ernesto de la Cruz. Desperate to prove his talent, Miguel finds himself in the stunning and colorful land of the dead. After meeting a charming trickster named Hector, the two new friends embark on an extraordinary journey to unlock the real story behind Miguel's family history. So let's uh, get a little bit of the ratings here of, uh, of what the uh, critical reception of the movie. Uh, IMDb, what is it, IMDb? Uh, 8.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Metacritic? An 81 with 45 positive, 3 mixed, and 8.3, uh, I'm going to say negative. Yeah, the uh, so 8.3 user. Oh, sorry, user rating. Yeah, the Metacritic score, once again, is an aggregate score that's created by bringing all the, the reviews together, and then the Metacritic assigns a value to mm-hmm. it. Uh, so, um, Rotten Tomato? 97%, uh, and definitely fresh with a 94% audience score. And Google? 93% liked it. Pretty much all the movies that we looked at uh, that have 93%, or pretty close to that for mm-hmm. most all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, what we'll, Roger Ebert have to say? We'll, we we've been you know we we've stu- we have settled on starting with Roger Ebert as our place to go oh. for our first critic. Okay. Uh, yeah. Why not? This is just something that I don't know. It was part of our culture in the Pantheon Companion. Now we start with old Roger Ebert. Now he's he's long gone since this. So it's as a, a staff child, It would always be Cisco and Ebert. Yeah. It yeah. was. Uh, and by the way, if you this is to the listeners, if you haven't ever looked up uh, the behind-the-scenes bickering that happens between Siskel and Ebert, <laughs> it's fantastic. I, uh, just a little sidebar. When I first was just enamored with Mythbusters, yeah. with Jamie and Adam, uh, in my mind they were the bestest of friends and so on, and they came to Purdue and I met them, and they were not friends. In fact, Adam worked for Jamie 
and Jamie hated everybody and everything. And it reminded me of the behind the scenes yeah. with Cisco and Ebert. <laughs> They're like, oh, great review there, Cisco. <laughs> so um, they, uh, the Ebert staff gives it a four out of four stars. Uh, these are a couple of excerpts from uh, the review. Family and legacy is expressed through storytelling and song. This is the deeper preoccupation of Coco. One of the most fascinating things about the movie is the way it builds its plot around members of Miguel's family, living and dead, as they battle to determine the official narrative of Miguel's great-great-grandfather and what his disappearance from the narrative meant for the extended clan. What's freshest, though, is the tone and outlook of the film. Coco opened in Mexico a month before uh, it opened in the U.S. This is what I was talking the about. The town in yeah. Mexico it opened or, in, yeah. Uh, and is already the highest-grossing film of all time there. It assumes a non-American point of view on spirituality and culture, not a touristy or thought-experiment sort of way, but as if it were merely the latest product of an alternate universe Pixar Me Mexicano that has existed for just as long as the other one. Uh, and it, it ends with this line, I had some minor quibbles about Coco while I was watching it, but I can't remember what they were. This film is a classic. Not Ebert, I mean, clearly likes the movie and clearly sees it from the director uh, and writer's point of view, you know, the things I've read. And we'll At talk least the more staff later. writer. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The staff writer for <clears throat> Ebert. But but even so, uh, you know, I, I read a thing saying that the Ebert reviews uh, reflect the promotions of the movie. And I disagree because some of the highest promoted movies, uh, Ebert staff writers have panned when they needed yeah. to be panned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rotten Tomato reviews, uh, there was 18... Pages of reviews, pages yeah, and pages and pages, pages of, of critics who have written on this. And I scanned through a bunch to, to find most everything. Like we said, 97% fresh. Yep. So I found like uh, a couple of negative ones in here just to hear what uh, the alternate, you sure. know, contrasting view might be. Yeah. Um, so let's go back and forth on this. Uh, yeah, you uh, betcha. Charlotte O'Sullivan, London Evening Standard, fresh. Uh, funny, irreverent, and eye-popping. It'll also make you want to cry at least once, but possibly as many as three times. Uh, David Jenkins from Little White Lies rates it fresh, though a three out of five. Not top-tier Pixar, he says, but decent enough. Uh, Matt Sipola, uh, Film Monthly. He rated it as rotten. So this is one of the few rottens that we've, I found in there. Mm -hmm. It can be beguiling and disappointing, culturally unique, and narratively too familiar. A step forward and a stubborn refusal for the studio to mix up its formula. So right. he said he his, his his problem was that it was a little too tried and true. Right, it, there were elements that felt a lot like Up to me. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Monsters Inc. Or Monsters or, Inc. Yeah, or yeah. right. And, and these just that's just looking at Pixar movies, let alone others. Yeah. Luke Y. Thompson from Forbes said, "Rotten." I left Coco angry that its entire plot needn't have happened. If the family had ever once acted reasonably or communicated properly. When I read that, I thought to myself, does this person have a family? Because my family yeah. does dumb stuff we like mess up this all the too. Time. And, you know, basically every uh, comedic plot in the history of ever is because one person, and dramatic plots, are because one person didn't tell a piece of information to the other one. Yep, right? Exactly right. So Metacritic reviews, these, this just keeps on with uh, more critic reviews, but Helen O'Hara, uh, this is the one of the top rated ones, uh, Empire, as a 
from Empire gave it a hundred. Pixar has raised the animation bar again with its most musical and arguably most magical film yet. If this is the afterlife we're all headed to, don't fear the Reaper. <laughs> now, the next one is not the bottom no. of the barrel, which was from Time or, or no, or it was somewhere else. Uh, but this was kind of like closer down. So, Michael Phillips, Chicago Tribune. Uh, they rate it as a 75, says too often Coco mistakes chaos and calamity for comedy, and it's a little perverse to prevent this particular story from becoming a full-on animated musical. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So how about from the Hoi Polloi, the, the medical critic Hoi Polloi reviews, where he got the 8.3, 749 positive, 43 mixed, and 54 negative reviews. Yep. So, so Toilet Boy... Yeah. Gave it a 10. No, no. Really? Toilet Boy? I, yes, I Get know. Get out of town. Oddly toilet Boy? Enough, toilet Boy. A great <laughs> celebration and showcase of Mexican culture and folk folklore. Watched it twice and cried each time. A must-see for any family, especially for those with Mexican heritage. And then, uh, so, and then I scraped the bottom of the barrel. Was it Spangle? No. You know what? And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to give it away too fast, oh. but... We're not going to see Spangle this time. Spangle didn't review Coco. No, no. Uh. no. We'll, we'll 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 drink one for our homie okay. later. Uh, nice. we, yeah, well, you know, it's the, the eight hundred uh, reviews. We did get. Uh, so this is a two from Oscar Adcock. Hmm. So uh, said I hated Coco. My expectations weren't even superbly high. It wasn't funny. The characters weren't especially strong. The songs weren't that good. And the number that won an Oscar for Best Original Song, Remember Me, was the absolute worst. <laughs> Spelling included. <laughs> so here's the thing. I don't disagree about that song. It was yeah. not the kind of song that I would expect to be like the big hook for the movie. Yeah. It did fit the storyline. It did. And but and they they you did have to hear it a lot in the movie. But if I if I, I have I have a few well, you and I watched the movie together. We this did. Time. We did. We and, huddled uh, up and said on the couch. Yeah. Cuddled up with a blanket. Yeah. I know. You feeding me popcorn. I was. It was so sweet. Sometimes I threw the popcorn up in the air, hoping he wouldn't be able to get it. But somehow, snatched yeah. right out of the yeah, air. Yeah, yep. yeah. But and, I thought and, Remember Me was definitely and I, not. And I said the same thing to you. Yes. It was like, you know, like, and I felt bad for saying it, but Remember Me uh, just didn't resonate with me all that much. It's a beautiful song, for, it's, but it, for it to be the pivotal, yeah. the, 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 I would almost say the hub of the movie, it seemed a little too melancholy. Yeah, it, yeah, and I, and I get it, but like with songs like "Let It Go," which are just like whoa, like it just blows you out Big of the water songs, or whatever. Sure. But remember me, just uh, it, it. Yeah, yeah, it's catchy. It's in my head. It's in my head. Heck, I just sang it at the beginning of the yeah, top of yeah. this podcast. So, uh, but we'll we'll get to that. How about our Facebook friends on AV yeah. on the AV page? Yeah. So, uh, Chris Conmey said, very well done, but I think I'd pick Chef before this if I had to pick one. Bold statement. Bold. By Chris statement. Conmey. How many votes did Chef get? Again? Okay, anyway, well, yeah. you know what? Move on from that. That's, that's, I apologize, Chris. I, I shouldn't have brought that up. No, that this unfair. is unfair. So, 
our next reviewer on a Disney movie. So yeah. I, am, I am very excited to hear what, what Alessio, Alessio had to Pasquale say. Pasquale has to say about a Disney Hold movie. On, let me look it up. Oh, there's just three words here. Yeah, he says, Oh, hell yes. I feel like that's on brand. <laughs> yeah. On the money, baby. On the money. The, uh, it, it's a Disney film, and he says, Oh, hell yes. And how about uh, Joshua McLaughlin? He said, I liked Coco for its charms. And, and this is an excerpt uh, from, okay, a, from a longer enough. piece. I liked Coco for its charms, but it borrows a lot from Monsters, Inc., and especially Inside Out. Those two films featuring mismatched buddies and exploring worlds of imagination did similar things, but in an even more impactful and less shallow way. Now, does that make it bad? Not really. It does, however, take away some of the staying power. Maybe with time it'll rise in my eyes, but reflecting on it now, Coco doesn't have enough resonance for me to endorse it for Pantheon. And, and I think it borrowed some, some uh, tones from Up and uh, from some other Pixar movies, but also certainly... Uh, some of the core themes, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get to today, yeah. from other movies. But, you know, as it's been said, like, there there are only, like, 16 stories in the world. And, uh, like... Y yes. Y yeah. Like, and, and they all get recycled. Some people say it's even less, like, there's just seven yeah, like stories. Seven. Exactly. Uh, I've heard yeah. seven. So, um, Zach Appleseed says... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, hold on. Are you talking about Zach Appleseed? Yeah, you know. The Captain, Captain No! Let's see what he has to say about this one. <laughs> you know what I'm going to guess he says? Wait, you know what? I will wait, wait. leave that to your imagination. He said, oh, hell yes. Wait, wait no, that no, was Alessio. That's, no, that's Alessio. Uh, this is what uh, Captain No says. I'll give you that it's technically pleasant to look at. But I found this movie more enjoyable the first time I saw it when it was called The Book of Life. Ooh, Ooh sick bird. Ow. Decent, but not Pantheon. And we, uh, so we hear from Jackie Dillman, says my gut reaction is yes, but I think it should, I should rewatch it to really give it thought to how good it is. I, I will say visually the movie gets an absolute hell yes, because it is one of the most beautiful movies I've seen in a long time. I have to say that, that, uh, of even the people who say they didn't like the movie, they refer to it as beautiful to look at. Yeah. You, I mean, it really is not just the big colorful scenes from the underworld, but even the simple stuff of the boy running through the streets, uh, Miguel running through the streets of the, the mariachi band in the, uh, in the town square, uh, even the ridiculous tiny scene where he's up in the attic above the garage watching an old VHS tape and singing along with his hero. It's just like visual candy, mm -hmm. just constantly something. And it's what you would expect from a modern Pixar movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rudy Williams, the uh, uh, just and and buckle in for a very long and well, hang on, I'm wordy a, review. I'm going to refresh Rudy, my drink. Yeah, we, we yeah, have some uh, yeah. in honor of Coco. We have yeah. some. What is this, Josie's? Yeah, Josie's Cuervo. Oh, it's Jose Cuervo. Yeah, we have some tequila. Yeah. Okay, hang on. Let me refresh my drink real quick. Oh, yeah. There we go. You want a little? Yeah, here. You give me some of that. That's good. All right. All right. Yeah, so, because we have to settle in and refresh yeah, ourselves. Yeah, hold on. If you're listening, yeah. you know, be ready. This is Rudy. This is just, beautiful. Rudy is going to go well, all in well on this. Written yeah. And very well written. Yeah. yeah. Rudy says, <clears throat> clear your throat and uh, practice your breathing for it. <clears throat> good movie. 
Good job, Rudy. That yeah, is yeah, exactly no, hey, what I was, <laughs> was hoping you would say. Yeah, thanks, All Rudy. All right, thank you, Rudy. And, and, he's, and you know, he's not wrong. I, I do agree. And I think even people who yeah. said they didn't like this movie said it was still a good movie. Maybe just not Pantheon, but still. Yeah. So let's uh, let's walk through the receipts of how it did at the yeah, box how office. Did it, how did this movie do in general? Disney's Coco. 105 minutes in 2017 domestic gross of 209.73 million dollars. Yeah, I was going to say is that pesos or yeah, million dollars. Dollars. Worldwide 807 oh, just million billion mark. dollars. So almost a billion uh, production budget of between 150 to 200 million. Yeah, I I, I just want to point out I saw four different sources. Yeah. Two definitively said 150. Two definitively said 200. So in any, in any case, they anywhere in that range. They they made they 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 paid for it with domestic gross, and then they they yeah. made another 600 million dollars on it. So. And here's the other thing: if you look at most, and I keep calling them modern Pixar movies, they're in the 200 million dollar range for their budget consistently for the last like almost 10 years. So anyway. So, using our trademarked butts and seats index, trademark, which divides out uh, domestic gross by the average ticket price of the year per the numbers that we get from Box Office mm-hmm. Mojo. Mm-hmm. So we're just using that. Uh, so this is for domestic. How many butts and seats were there if we divide it all out? So average ticket price of eight ninety seven. Carry the one gives us a BSI. Yeah. Twenty-three point four million butts in seats for the Coco, which is three times the Fight Club. The average. Fight Club. The Fight Club standard. standard. The Fight the Club s- gold standard. <laughs> so twenty-three point four million butts in seats. So uh, comparisons, and you put these comparisons together. So I did. Run, run us down. This. And I picked these comparisons for several reasons. Uh, Toy Story three because it was some of the same team yeah. that made Coco and Toy Story three. Two thousand and ten. Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Hundred and three minutes. Domestic gross four hundred fifteen million. So double Coco. Worldwide one point oh eight billion with a B dollars, uh, with a production budget of two hundred million dollars. Uh, average ticket price of seven eighty nine gives a BSI of fifty two point six million butts in seats domestic 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 yeah so about twice mm-hmm. uh, so Incredibles two two thousand eighteen I, I, I went with the top grossing yeah. Pixar movie of all time Incredibles two Incredible from twenty eighteen uh, six hundred eight point six million dollars domestic worldwide one point two Billion. Billion with a B. It doubled it. Yep. Production budget. Guess what that was? $200 million. $200 million. Average ticket price, $9.11 in 2018 for a BSI of $66.8 million. Uh, Shrek 2, a non-Pixar movie that did very well. Yep. Uh, in fact, it is the highest grossing animated non-Disney movie so far. Uh, 93 minutes in May of 2004. Domestic gross, $441.2 billion. Worldwide, $928.8 million, nearly a billion dollars. Production budget of $150 million. Very felt by Pixar terms. Average ticket price in 2004 was $6.21, which gives it a BSI of $71 million. The highest of the list so N- far. Nearly. Actually, it actually is triple... Coco. Yeah, yeah. Then The Book of Life, which is a movie that Coco is compared to on a regular basis. Yep. I thought it made sense to put that in here it, as well. It, 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 it focuses on 
the day de, 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 de los muertos the mm-hmm. day of the dead with a musician, a musician it's animated a bell kills somebody <clears throat> at some point in time yeah the whole deal came out in 2014 it was a 95 minute movie domestic gross 50.2 million dollars worldwide uh, nearly 100 million 99.8 production budget of only 50 million uh, average ticket price eight dollars and seventeen cents that year with a, so a BSI of six point one four million butts in seats. So yeah, I just, less than the Fight Club standard. Less than a Fight Club standard, but but the movie made money. Yeah, you know. So uh, and by the way, the uh, um, a decent movie in its own right, and I would say it's uh, it's got some cool songs. One of which. Is a mariachi version of Radio uh, Radiohead's Creep. Creep, yeah, which is uh, it's it's just fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fun. So I've seen that movie several times mm-hmm. myself. I like that movie. Have uh, you ever different style, different animation style? Right. Um, Have you ever seen an animation style or a a, a a a a visual style that for whatever reason you have to kind of grit your teeth to get through so you can get into the storyline. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those for me. I struggle with the Lego movies, and I know those are very popular. I struggled with Book of Life for some of the same reasons, because it takes me out of the of any quote reality of the movie to know that I'm looking at in this case like wooden puppets effectively. Mm-hmm. And I realize they were animated, but I'm just saying. I struggle with that. So there was at one t- at one t- so um, uh, Puss in Boots was in Shrek, right? Yes. yes. And there was a movie that came out, the Puss in uh, Boots movie. Yeah. Puss in Boots movie. But then there was there was another movie where I was at Redbox, and I was like, oh, Puss in Boots, or but it wasn't like Puss in Boots. It was like Cat in Shoes, so like sort of <laughs> like that. And we had just rented you'll it get, on a lot. You get that one really cheap on the street corner. Oh, it was the creepiest thing. It, they still sell that one on VHS. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that that so like straight from Eastern Europe. It was. Uh, <laughs> it, it haunts my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> kitties, kitties in slippers. Oh yeah, I, I think it was even named something like Puss, oh. Puss in Boots, something very similar to similar. that. But oh man, uh, it was not a good movie. So uh, yeah. Before we get to our uh, deep dig where we read through our nomination, which is from Jeremy Clifford, mm-hmm. uh, that we, at this point, will pause because there's something on the table. There's which a brown, plain brown wrapper The here. council has been so very nice that they honor us for uh, talking about their movies by sending us uh, what we have come to call uh, bribes. bribes. Yeah, they're bribes. Yeah, they're bribes. Yeah, they're bribes. Yeah, they're bribes. So in your this is a, a one of those a brown Amazon envelopes, yeah. you know, that's the large envelope like almost eight and a half by eleven. And in here we have something in plastic bags. Let's see. This is for you. Alright. So little ziplocks in here. And what do we have? We have Oh, oh yes. yes. What would you call that? Well, this is like one of those gator things. It's a buff. Yeah, it's, it's a, a buff. It's a buff, like a survivor buff or a gator. But, uh, and my, it's a mask. Mine has a uh, Day of the Dead uh, kind of woman skull. Yes, so and, and mine has. Yours is a very cool male. Rain, rainbow male skull. Yeah, maybe. Would you like the male one? I would no, take the female. No, no, no. Uh, that one. 
does have sort of a pride feel to it, though, with the rainbow. I all know, that runs I'm all down, down with that. Yeah. So does that one, by uh, the way. Yours has much more color on it than mine. But I tell you, there. it's also a timely gift. I'm going to try this. In that, I'm not sure if you're aware, but um, wearing masks. Is this? Uh, is a, yes, that's does that look perfect. Good? Yeah. Wearing masks is a normal everyday thing now. And yeah. so these are very timely. Do I have this centered properly? Oh, no. Not at all. No. You have to, like, switch it this way. Oh. Hang on. Yeah. Let me see where that goes. Yeah. All right. There's the nose. Yeah. We'll get some pictures of this later. Oh, yeah. We'll put these up. See us wearing our new gator buffs, <laughs> Day of the Dead buffs. Oh, how's this? Oh, that's good. That's good. You look like, uh, like Ghost Rider. I was gonna say, <laughs> like Ghost Rider, or like I'm about to rob a bank. Yeah. And yeah, the, these uh, are awesome. I love oh, these. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. These are wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, wonderful. so awesome. I will absolutely make excellent use of this. And yeah. I love the rainbow. I love the colors. The flowers in the skull, the yeah. teeth in the mouth of the, the skull. The butterflies. Oh, sorry. Those You're right. Those are butterflies. Those are butterflies, yeah. One on each jaw uh, and one on each eye socket. Excellent. Thank you so very much, fabulous. Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. Very excellent. All right. Speaking All right. of Jeremy. Jeremy. So, uh, let, I, I pulled some excerpts uh, from this. Uh, I pulled some excerpts from Jeremy's mm. nomination. And I'll go ahead and I'll start with... Uh, I'll start with that. Um, Jeremy says, I hate content created for kids. Ooh. I always have. I say all this as a precursor to the fact that I've been locked inside with a four-year-old during a worldwide pandemic whose film repertoire doesn't expand beyond recently watched section of Disney+. Plus. <laughs> However... <laughs> During this experiment in sanity and patience, a film created for kids clicked with me. That's why I'm nominating Coco for Pantheon Consideration. So he says, Pixar is the undeniable king of computer-assisted animation, and Coco is no exception. The visuals of this film are absolutely Pantheon. It is sharp, highly colorful, and vivid, vividly detailed. And he goes on. So if you, like, we're reading excerpts, but mm. uh, this review is, is under the poll that goes with Coco. It is. Uh, and it's an excellent write-up if you want to read more on it. Um, the voice acting is top-notch. Anthony Gonzalez carries the f film. Hector, uh, Gal Garcia Bernal, walks a tightrope between emotional depth and com comedic relief. And he talks about how sometimes uh, people trip up on this and he doesn't like that. But the, right. but, but uh, uh, the, the actor does a good job with it. The music, courtesy of Frozen's Robert and Kristen Lopez, hits all the right notes. Remember Me is a testament to sound design manipulating the tempo and timber to force you into feeling nostalgia, happiness, and love and sadness from the same damn notes and lyrics. I will make Coco's cultural significance my last point. Coco burst onto the scene, made more than $700 million, unapologetically shoved Mexican culture in your face, taught you some new Spanish, uh, like alabrije and ofrenda, and made a strong case for why representation matters. Despite striving to create a culturally spot-on representation of a Mexican family, the real triumph is displaying a universal reality of family and the complicated ways in which we love one another. Overall, Coco is Pantheon because it is a triumph of animation, is well acted, has great original music, original originality in its story, and finally because it is a film that matters 
especially to those who have waited to see a family like theirs on the screen. You know, as I watched Coco, I remember us talking about the Prince of Egypt when we were going through Pantheon Rejects. Yeah. And while the story in the Prince of Egypt is one that we would know, we would know. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's within our culture, yeah. many cultures, but yeah. it happens also the ours. Uh, and I remember thinking to myself, the, the, the story in Coco is from a culture that I, I barely know. Like, I know a hint of a hint of a hint from movies that I've yes. seen. And even those hints have been exaggerated to help make the story of that movie or to make a nice backdrop. But when I read that the, when they made Coco, they were, being, they, they were going out of their way to be not just culturally sensitive, but correct. To, to 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 have people consulting with them that would tell them we wouldn't do that or that makes no sense or this is what that would look like. Uh, even to the point of when they traveled down to Mexico and they saw these little hairless dogs running around, they said, that's the character. That's yeah. the one, you know, and they didn't know what they were going to use. Now, uh, what I will say, there was some missteps along the way. There because were. Uh, these things happen, mm -hmm. uh, and Disney at one point tried to trademark the phrase Dias, del, Dias de los Muertos. Well, and the, uh, the Disney legal department apparently someone filed the trademark for that, yeah, and was immediately uh, both culturally and socially reprimanded by the public for yeah. like stupidity well yeah it's like somebody like like disney is going to trademark john 316 for god so loved the world and, and like people are like uh i don't think you can do that if they were doing an irish movie yeah. and they decided well no one's trademarked saint patrick's day yet maybe yeah. we should trademark yeah. that we're going to trademark the phrase saint, saint patrick's, patrick's day. day yeah i think there would be a little bit of blowback from that yeah yeah so, uh, but 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 they did work very hard to uh, to have a cast that reflected the story. To have people come in, they had uh, they. We were talking about this earlier that they uh, normally are very closed about how they do films mm -hmm. because they don't want people to know about it. Who can but preview them and when? In, th in this case, they had people previewing it. They talked about it. They had experts come in. Uh, just so that they could get more and more uh, uh, closer yes. to the truth, right? And this movie was not in development for a couple of years and then put out. This movie was in development for what nearly a 2011 decade? to 2017. Yeah, all yeah, it, it was, was the so longest. It, it was years. yeah, it was. Uh, it's the film that was longest in production for at least for Pixar. For so. Pixar. Um, yeah. So. Uh, <clears throat> and and it shows in the uh, in the story that they tell in a way that I'm not familiar with this culture because it's not mine. Right. However, they did it in such a way that it was approachable for me. That's the thing I was gonna say. It made it something where it's like, well, that's not my culture. I am I am I feel invested in that culture without watering it down or making it not real. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah no. That, yeah. And and now. I'm sure, I'm positive, if we had a third person sitting here today who was completely invested, totally knowledgeable, knew everything there was to know about that culture because what they grew up in, they would be able to tell us all the things about the movie that are not correct. Well, and uh, so Jeremy had, had shared just uh, earlier today or yesterday, it was a New York Times article on Coco and uh, how they did it, like how, how they did it right, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and... Uh, 
I was reading through that, but then I also read the comments at the on the Times article, um, and the comments were criticizing the writer who was talking about that uh, that the movie was accurately representing Latino culture when they <laughs> said uh, Day of the Dead is especially in how they were doing it, is a Mexican tradition. Yes. It's representing, like, you like you Americans. as a writer are not using the right yes. language to describe what's going on here. Right. That it's Mexican, it's not broadly Latino. It's not right. everybody in Nicaragua and Ecuador. It's, it's and, also and, not Hispanic culture, and, which yes. is from Spain. It's not, yeah. right? It's, or it, it's, yeah, Hispanic, which is anybody who speaks Spanish, yeah, right? right? Or Yeah. So, um, so... Uh, that was an interesting uh, yeah. uh, take on that. So, uh, but you the writer mean, used the wrong term. Yeah, yeah, which is one of the things that can happen when yes. when you're when you are walking around in a culture that's not your own that you don't know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that actually just happened politically not too long ago yeah. as well. Someone made a comment about uh, the comment itself. I believe was correctly intentioned. But they used the wrong terms, and then a number of folks stepped up and said, <laughs> "You don't well, know what you're yeah. talking about." And yeah, that is, and that's yeah, that's the that's the game that we play. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, and I don't mean to like go on a tangent uh, on this, but we've talked, me and you, before about when um, somebody is trying to pretend like they're part of your culture. Yes. Or and they're trying to act like they're in on the inside but then you can just tell by the way that they're talking mm-hmm. that they don't know what they're talking they about. don't know what they're talking about yeah yeah uh, like if i was trying to talk about taekwondo and you as an instructor who's been in it for years would kind of like be like yeah that's mm. not really like yeah. i would call you your dojo and you're like it's not technically yeah. a dojo you don't actually call it that but okay yeah um, so, uniquenesses and challenges. So, how, how, as a nomination, how is this film unique in your eyes? You know, it's not unique as an animated feature because there have been animated features nominated. Yeah. However, it is unique in an animated feature to this level. Like, there's never been anything nominated that's at this quality level of animation, realism, uh, also just the spectrum, the visual spectrum that they incorporated into this uh, into this movie. That's that's unique. But there's something else that's unique about this in that this movie, uh, of the movies that I think that we reviewed, I was trying to sit here and think, was there a movie where the writers, the directors, went all in on making it accurate as a part of the story, not as a backdrop for the story? Yeah, and maybe Saving Private Ryan... Where Fair they, enough. Where they would went like like they went all in on trying to uh, make sure that, that this was accurate um, to like that it reflected the reality at the time. At right? the time, yes. There you go. There's a good example. But how about for animated movies? Yeah, you and, know. Yeah, and, I don't and, think so. And also, we had just got we were, we were just talking about this, but also as a bridge for people who are not familiar with that yes. with culture specifically, this Mexican Day of the Dead. Uh, celebration culture that surrounds it um, to to bridge something to an audience who might not have seen it right. before. So if you think about not just Pixar, but expand a little bit to the sort of the Disney universe, right? The the Pixar is, is is a part of it, but there's more than Pixar there. When you have movies like Mulan, when you have movies like um, 
uh, brave. We have movies, you know, uh, you can kind of go down even the list. Even Frozen. Even Frozen. They're introducing us and, and, and sort of, in a way, teaching without jamming it down our throat about a different culture and environment. And uh, But in this particular case, they went all the way in. Yeah, it's a rich tapestry. A very, very rich tapestry. So what about challenges of this film as a nomination? And I think... Um, the 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 connection the similarities with book the book of life yeah. is one of them. Uh, although even when you read what was written by I think it was either the writer or director of book of life, they were like you know we didn't invent Day of the Dead and we didn't invent the Mexican culture that's the that's the backdrop for this movie so we can't very well say that they stole our story. Um, the time frames of when the two movies were being developed also. Uh, make that not really uh, uh, an issue however um that's one of the challenges there's another challenge too in that this movie was not made uh for the same audience that many other pantheon movies were made for right almost everything in pantheon almost was made for an adult audience and this is a kid's movie this is straight up a kid's movie my one-year-old grandson has watched this movie dozens and dozens of times i mean uh and and just lights up when it comes on and i and i would say that um another challenge that you could throw out and we heard a little bit about it in some of the other critical reviews sure were that it they're not while they on while they did go all in on making the 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 culture well represented in the film mm-hmm. that the story arc itself is not really... They're not breaking the mold on the story arc. They're not. Uh, they have the weird kind of mismatched uh, partnership. They have like... Uh, well, think of it this way. It's quest You've story. got an older person who may or may not be dead. <clears throat> You've got a kid who may or may not be uh, in somewhere they should not be. They travel there together. There's a dog that's... that's not quite uh, the, uh, uh, the savior of the show, but can be at times. You have all these things going on, all these other creatures that you're supposed to be afraid of, but turns out they're not bad. Yeah. And I can, I'm, I'm describing up. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like... Uh, so it, it, it does lean heavily on tropes. It does. And, and it leans heavily on Pixar uh, formulas, yeah. tropes, yes. But it does so... With a much bigger sort of palette of colors. Yeah. I mean, literally and figuratively. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, I I would say that while not fully my critique, but a challenge might be that because this movie does rely on music, if somebody doesn't resonate with the music that yeah. they that that that's in the movie, or think that the music is really their cup of tea, right? That this movie just might not hit for them. Yep, I agree with that too. Um, I think that one of the things that uh, the the book of the book of life. I keep wanting to say the book of the dead. I, I it's just stuck in my head. The book of life did well. Book of, the book of life the of the day of the dead. Book of life the day of the dead. Book. <laughs> Better not say that four times fast because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. The book of life did well was that they took modern songs that people know like Creep yeah. and they gave them this cool Mexican flair yeah. and that was a part of how they connected back to our culture and it's and it's and I have heard mariachi bands playing yeah uh pop songs yeah and they sound amazing I love the way that they sound so it's not like that's abnormal 
But um, but Coco did this with, uh, I, at least I think, all original music. I, I don't recall, I could be wrong about this, but I don't recall any sort of modern songs that they no, remade yeah. in the in the in the in the movie so uh while you were watching this uh outside of anything else that we had chatted about were there any particular insights that you had uh you and i have talked a number of times about my family my family my personal family history yeah. specifically on my father's side a lot of disconnects a lot of sort of not broken but just sort of lost relationships and connections uh, and I didn't even know some of those people on that side until after I was 40. And by know them, I mean they were already gone. So know about them, know where they came from, know what their history was until I was in my mid to late 40s. So um, for me, there was a connection there that I'm like, you know, wouldn't that have been cool if from the time I was a child, there were pictures and stories and, and stuff about my family from way back. And then uh, that sort of lost family member that was sort of blacklisted out of the family. Like, I have a personal yeah. connection to that, too, in my family. And not that that was me, but somebody that I, somebody that I was pretty close to. And, and so that's, that's, that was kind of hard. Those, those elements touched yeah. me uh, in, a, in a very personal way. So for me, one of the things, and I had mentioned, when we, when we were watching this together, I had mentioned that... Um, it's not so much of an insight as much as it was. Uh, it, it's not so much of an insight that I had while watching the film, but after I got done, I reflected on my experience of watching the film and I realized I had been just sucked in. Right? Which is not your normal way to watch movies. Yeah, well, I, that, I, that there, was, there was never a point where I fell out of watching the movie. Right. Uh, that. There was there was nothing. There wasn't a point where you were like, "What was the writer thinking when they made that decision?" Yeah, or that was dumb, or why did they do that? Or like there was there were there were there were no, none of these little barbs or snares that stopped me from just experiencing the film, and um, that's to the film's credit mm -hmm. for me, where mm -hmm. uh, that like I didn't have to stop and go, "Oh, I have to definitely talk about that." Right. That with, goes to writing, but also goes to the X factor. The one exception. Okay. Of the song "Remember Me," I'm with you there. Which, uh, as I as I was listening to it, it, it fit in the story. But I was like, I just wish it was like more. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so you know, for example, something I had thought about, like the Monday morning armchair, you know, quarterback, the that that song could still have been this touching personal song that a man sing, sang to his little daughter that she remembers when she's in her 90s and it sort of brings her out of the, the fog for a little while. Uh, it still could have been that and yet there could have been another version of it. Maybe Ernesto de, de, de la Cruz's version of it that wasn't that way where he had made it, you know, a celebration song. Yeah. They could have. They could have done that. Where instead of instead of the song... Like and I, I was trying to like figure out a different way to do the tune. Oh, we talked about that. When we were walking about hour. instead of, instead of remember me, right? That like his version was remember me. Yeah, or know, something. And it went up. Right. Yeah. All right. Breakdown standout moments by the categories here. Acting and ca casting. What do I you think? I think Miguel's character and the young man that played Miguel were tops. He carried the movie. Somebody mentioned that in one of the reviews. He carries the film on his back, and he's a kid. 
he did great. Uh, I also liked the little characters that had small parts, and I, I can't remember if this was Cheech Marin or not. The the old guy with that they borrow the guitar from the old uh, skeleton they borrow the guitar yeah. from who fades away. Was that Cheech Marin? I yeah. I, I can't recall, but anyway, no, it, it wasn't. But anyway, but that old guy. I love that character, and you know, it, it, he was what two minutes in the movie, yep. and yet I was sad when he was gone. Like uh, that was fantastic. The 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 um, the the mom, the 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 uh, uh, Coco's mother. Yeah, that the woman who played her was right on the money. She switched that little switch from angry, you know, uh, 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 to being pounding, to being maternal, and to being loving. Just yeah click like that was beautiful i i I love those elements the the and jeremy had mentioned hector in there the only character that i like would have kind of like pulled back on a little bit uh while was kind of hector where it was like okay you're definitely tiptoeing on that line between goofy yeah and uh he didn't go all the way over well i was thinking about that some of where he went right near the line of being goofy was the animation of the character and some was his delivery yeah of his lines but i would say almost more on animation the actor didn't have a whole lot to do with that yeah yeah but still the character is all of it right the character is what you see in here how about directing and editing I think the director uh, uh, made some fabulous choices. I believe that even better, even more now after I read stories about you know their story of why they accepted that job, why uh, how they approached it, and how they they, they added a, uh, an assistant director who knew even more about the culture to really kind of make that point. Uh, and I think they did great there. Yeah, and and I'm I'm in agreement. Screenplay and story. I mean. I don't have anything. I don't have any negatives there, except the, the, the that only it thing would, it felt would a little be, tropey. But yeah. that's but it's a Pixar movie. Kind yeah. of, what do you want? You know. Um, but but uh, onward is also a Pixar movie, and yes. that is a far different class. Correct, than this. and like, I bet far different budget as well. Yeah. But onward was onward was the 2020 version of straight to DVD yeah. for Disney for Pixar, and. You, that was what, you know, they had a yeah. little smaller budget. They had a, 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 a different quality script to work with. I still enjoyed the movie, but it wasn't this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cinematography and locations. Blew me away, man. Yeah, like, it is just, every frame is art, you know? Like, and there's so, you could watch this time and time again, just looking at different parts of the screen just to see all the different things that are in there, and you'll find something new every time. I was thinking uh, a little earlier today, we were, I was kind of going through these categories in my mind, and I thought to myself, I remember when I was in college, uh, and I had we had taken a, 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 a trip down to Orlando, and we would bought a celluloid, uh, a, pr- a print from one of the Mickey, Mickey Mouse yeah. movies. And... Uh, at the place where we were buying them, and this could have just been the spiel they give you, I have no idea, but they said they, they have, you know, just millions of these celluloids, but they have to go through them and find the ones that are actually really good. It's not just any frame yeah. that's a good frame. They found the good ones, you know? And then they edit them down, they cut out the parts that aren't, that don't make it a good frame, and they crop it. Yeah. And I was thinking, if you took almost any frame from Coco... You would probably find that it was a perfect yeah. it's little like poster art. Yeah, very yeah. very cool. Yeah, no wasted shots. No, and and and, and also just 
once again, the coloration yeah. of the film is is beautiful. A big part of this goes back to, uh, and this is this doesn't have to do with Coco. This is Pixar starting to perfect their art of producing these movies, where even if they had just this terrible storyline and all kinds of stuff was a mess and some of the performances were bad, if you went frame by frame and looked at the frames of the movie, they're just like like beautiful. Yeah. Pieces of art. Uh, score. Honestly, I remember two songs from this movie. Remember Me and uh, Poco Loco. I know there were more songs than that. And there was background music and, and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, if anything, the score is the thing in here that's like not Pantheon. For me. Yeah. Because it, it was good and it, was, and it, it did the job, but it, it, I don't remember the score as being... This huge moving part of the experience. It it may have been, but I just don't remember it as that. And again, those 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 are the two songs that I can tell you the names of of the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be in and I'm in agreement on this one as well. Where go through Lion King? How many songs can you name from Lion King? I bet I could name at least four if I tried. Yeah. And 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 if I thought about it, I'd get I get more. Which you know, and, and this is one of these things where the movie focuses. Very heavily on music, right. and if uh, if music it, like if it's not knocking it out of the park completely, then then that's at least a pause. Like it's a moment right. for pause. But look at the writing team that did. I mean, I, I gave you one example of Lion King. Look at the writing team that wrote yeah. that score. You know, yeah, huh. Uh, or even like John Williams doing all the movies that he's done. Yeah. You, know, you know what a John Williams uh, uh, score sounds like. So while I don't see anything wrong with the score, other than our already mentioned uh, issues with "Remember Me," um, I don't have I don't have great feelings about it. Special effects and notables. I mean, special effects. It's a, the animation. Itself. It's beautiful animation. Notables might be also the attention to detail, the mm. cultural attention to detail. Yeah, the selection of that particular dog. They were thinking about a Chihuahua for yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, then X Factor. I mean, we've talked about the X Factor here. You know, the yeah. way the way that it drew you in. Yeah. Uh, to watching the whole movie, the the connections for me back to. My personal family. For me, the X Factor is is pretty strong here. Yeah, I'd I'd agree on that one. Um, so it got as far as awards go. It, awards goes. Did it, it win any? It, it won a hundred and ten different awards. Wow! And it, it, with thirty seven nominations, that's, uh, that's beyond, excellent. Yeah, uh, including Oscar winner for best animated feature Fantastic. and uh, best original song. And that's for Remember Me. And that's for Remember Me. Uh, Golden Globes also Best Picture Animated, so it won Best Picture Animated for both Globes and the Oscars. Well, that's actually a, a nice little ringing endorsement there. Yeah. Um, so, also, just some fun facts about the movie. Uh, the orange flower scene in the throughout the film is the Aztec Marigold, mm. known also as the Mexican Marigold, or uh, the Kempasuchu. Uh, the flower is used in the tradition of Dia de los Muertos in Mexico to guide the deceased to the living. Mm -hmm. It spent days, more days uh, at number one at the box office than any other animated film in the 21st century. That's uh, another ringing endorsement. Did you know that Miguel was originally only, only going to play guitar but not sing? 
but the director discovered Anthony Gonzalez was, in fact, a talented singer. So uh, it was it was decided Miguel would do both, and Anthony could share this talent in his film. I didn't know until uh, right before the, the time that you and I watched it, just a, a week or so ago, that uh, that was actually him singing. I yeah. actually thought they might have had a sort of pitch hitter there. It, so, and we had mentioned it was an active production from 2011 to 2017, mm-hmm. the longest for Pixar in terms of uh, 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 movie production. Uh, the Look of the Land of the Dead is inspired by the Mexican city of uh, Guanajuato, which has colorful houses placed on the hillsides in such a way that they looked almost stacked. All right. You know, the, the filmmakers and animators actually went to Mexico five times. I would have, to be honest with you, I would have thought it was a lot more than that. But they researched the culture, the people, the food, traditions, etc. to help define the story and characters of Coco. Miguel's grandmother and great-great-grandmother both frequently take off a shoe to hit with. This is to ensure that they get cooperation. In Latin culture, this kind of shoe is known as a chancla, which my daughter, who's a lifeguard, uh, she would talk about uh, at the pool every once in a while that she would see uh, a Mexican grandma chasing around a kid with a shoe. shoe. (laughs) It reminded me of a story, and I believe it was in in Eddie Murphy's routine, talking about when he was a kid, that his mom was a sniper with a shoe, and then in his mind, that shoe was actually a... uh, Like a boomerang. A boomerang. (laughs) And and then a shoe would fly back up. And I just wonder, you know, how much of that culture, because, you know, he grew up in... He grew up in... Uh, a, a crowded uh, 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 um, uh, neighborhood, and I'm sure there was a whole mix of cultures in that neighborhood, and that you know yeah. that might have been an adopted thing. I don't know. So whenever a guitar is played in the film, the animated character's fingers match the fingering of the actual chords being played, That's which is a little fun. Fabulous. Those paper designs seen, seen hanging in the outdoor scenes are called papel picado, which just means perforated or pecked. Uh, 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 paper, a decorative craft considered a Mexican folk art. I spent two years in kindergarten, little known fact, uh, uh, and <laughs> both years I was top notch. But yeah. um, we made those, both of those years, and they decorated my entire kindergarten. I mentioned that to my mother, and she said, Your kindergarten teacher came here from Mexico with her husband, who's a professor at Purdue. Oh, wonderful. So that uh, would make sense, right? So when Miguel and Hector uh, Hector arrive in Ernesto de la Cruz Plaza, there's a scene where people are celebrating lighting fireworks. At the moment on the right side of the screen, there is a poster for Pixar's Incredible 2. By the way... Uh, all, which came out the next year. Which came out in 2018, <laughs> the next year. Uh, all of these, uh, these are selection of trivia from the IMDb page, by the way, is where we're getting this information. If you wanted to look up more trivia... IMDb has a, a trivia page with lots and lots of stuff. One last, uh, a couple of last little ones. Uh, when Miguel is running through the plaza to shine shoes, he passes some piñatas for sale, and they include Woody and Buzz from Toy Story and Mike from Monsters Inc. And this is one of the one of the many Easter eggs that Pixar puts in all their movies, where they hide their characters here and there. Or A one one three, which the, was where Pixar Studios, the where they learned uh, learned about it at at, at college, uh, was the the room number for their for uh, for their lab where they for learned their to draw. Lab. Uh, that that's in the film. Uh, it's on the door of the office of the Land yeah. of the Dead, and uh, so and also the dog's name is 
Dante, a reference to Dante Alighieri from the the uh, Divine Comedy from Dante's Inferno. Yeah, so. I think he he uh, inspired a drawing or two. Yeah, maybe a painting. So, let's chat about uh, how we think this will go with our council votes. All right. Well, you know Jeremy Clifford, who's a council member. I'm gonna guess he votes yes. I'm going to go yes with that. Uh, do you have any thoughts on anyone else down the list? Um, I, 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 a little birdie told me that there's a council member who's on the fence, but it, just in listening to them chat, I think that they're definitely going to say yes. That's my gut feel. They said they were on the fence, but then when we talked about the movie, uh, the things they were saying made it seem like they were heading towards yes. So I'm going to say April is going to say yes. And okay. so I'm going to count, account for at least three yeses so far. And then I think Facebook will be yes. That's four. And then uh, it just needs three more from the rest. Yeah. And the rest is, is eight people to or sorry, seven people to choose from. It needs three more. So I think that this is going to get in. But this is, I don't think that this will, I think it'll be a fence sitter type of a thing like in the six to eight range yeah like maybe no or yes or yeah, definitely yes yes yeah, you don't seven, think eight. it'll be nine or ten i don't think so I, my gut tells me and and i know that i'm wrong all the time all the time yeah my gut tells me that this is a nine or a ten okay yes yeah, just, just say I, I had said a little bit lower for the for our last film and it got nine yeah well, uh and i was thinking a, a little bit less than i thought that. it was i thought the last film might actually be a six or a seven really, something like it off. Off. yeah yeah um so uh so don't listen to what we say as we're wrong regularly yeah. um so uh, the current Facebook poll, which is a little bit lighter than otherwise. Yes. Normally it's a kind of a five to one split where yep. five, you get five yeses for every one no vote. Mm. Currently it's at a two to one yeah. split. Now these 20, are the numbers about an about an hour before we started the podcast. Yeah, 26 yeses, 13 no's. Uh, so this is a little bit lower. And there was a lot of haven't seen it that surprised me. Uh, yeah. But then I thought, well, not everyone has kids, and not everyone would watch the movies their kids are watching. Yep. So. And not everybody's going to have Disney Plus. There's not, that. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is it is dedicated to kids. Mm -hmm. So, like, uh, there are movies that I haven't watched because my kids grew out of that age range right sure uh so i just didn't get to see it but so currently facebook poll is at a yes but it's lower than the five to one split that we sometimes yes. see otherwise yes uh you're putting your vote in on the facebook poll. i am putting my vote in on the facebook poll right now and your vote is going to be i'm gonna say yes i i really have no reason to say no Remember Me is not a bad song. It's just not the song I would have hoped. And while the while the score is not the slam bang home run that I would expect uh, from a major two hundred million dollar movie, uh, it's not bad. On a five star scale, what would you give this one? Four seven. Four seven. And for me, that we're in the four five four six mm -hmm. range. Mm -hmm. uh, so. We're pretty close. We're not always this close with each other. No. Uh, on on a perspective on a movie, but this time around, uh, we're we similar. Are. And and I would say and I'll go with uh, I'll I'll say yes as well. Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, here's my vote. There we go. I am voting right now, and I have just voted. 
and I'll do that when I get home. All right. So any, so this brings us to our close. Uh, any final thoughts that you have about this or this season? Because this is the last. We might get there. There's one more guest voter, uh, Zach Appleseed, guest nominator, yeah. guest nominator. Uh, that. So there will be another nomination. I've heard some hints and inklings about his nomination, and I'm excited to find out what he actually chooses. Rumor has it that he's got two in the two in the in the bag that he's looking at. Yep, yep, yep. And if you like Adam Sandler, (laughs) you might be thrilled. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. But uh, Grown Ups Two, Grown Ups Three. Oh my! Uh, Yeah, I have no idea. No, uh, yeah, but Zach uh, Appleseed, uh, Captain No, he's going to have to vote yes on his own nomination, so there's one. So, um, this, has been, uh, this has been a pretty good season. Like the, uh, I watched a lot of things that I didn't get to see otherwise this, uh, this season yep, through these nominations. I got to be introduced to a couple of films and a couple of directors couple that of directors I wouldn't have, seen I would otherwise. Never have seen before. Um, Seven Samurai was new for me. You know, uh, so Seven Samurai is not the kind of movie that I would go out of my way to watch. Seven Samurai is the kind of movie that if it was a, if I was sitting on a Sunday rainy Sunday afternoon and it was on, I would watch it without knowing what I was watching and would remember, hey, there's this movie with these set, right? Yeah. But um, but by watching it intentionally, I was, uh, I mean, yeah. I, I, All it in. was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. And uh, yeah, so and it was a and it was an interesting season with just a lot of those black and white features. A lot features. of black and white films, yeah. And uh, and then this but, very colorful one at the end. But also a number of different genres. Yeah. From from uh, nineteen well several movies from the thirties, forties, and fifties, but two this, Billy Wilder films. Two Billy Wilder films, uh, and um, sadly none from the master. Uh, Wes Anderson. Wes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> Life Aquatic. Great, uh, yeah, fantastic film. No, nothing. The no, Council no loves that. No Wes yeah. Anderson movies. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no. So I'm looking forward to what Captain No nominates, and you know there might even be uh, a couple of uh, companion podcasts. After that, last year, for example, we did some Pantheon Rejects where we talked about a couple of movies that have been nominated in the past uh, that didn't make it, and we chatted about them. And I think that may have generated uh, some people thinking about re-nominating because the way the Pantheon process works, if something doesn't make Pantheon, after a period of time, it's eligible to be nominated again. Yeah. And sometimes they get in uh, uh, through the regular nomination process. And sometimes, and this is for our Facebook, uh, uh, our members of the Facebook group, there is a people's uh, choice, uh, not nomination, but but selection for Pantheon. Yeah, all the council members put in um, one movie into the mix and Facebook gets the Facebook, uh, our Facebook video landers get to vote on that. And the highest vote... It's a carte blanche, automatic, straight, in. straight into uh, Pantheon. Straight in. Last time it was the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. So we the best forty-seven hours you will ever spend. So you and I didn't have to uh, 
to watch all of that. Uh, Maybe for, we should For should've. one of these Pantheon companions. Maybe we should have. Oh. Someone needs to nominate, even though the, the uh, episodes 4, 5, and 6 are already in, someone should nominate the Skywalker Saga. So, <laughs> the Star Wars trilogy, the, the, original, the original trilogy, are, is in Pantheon. The trilogy, so, the trilogy, the trilogy. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, we'll have one more of these after this. Uh, this time for 2020, and then we're going to kick off a brand new year in 2021. Yeah, infection-free, mask-free. My Mister Positive oh, Attitude here, and we're going to go straight into an amazing 2021. And then the asteroid will hit. <laughs> yeah, that's a positive. It's like there's been a few near misses. All right. All right. As always, I hope everyone enjoyed tonight's conversation. Where can Videoland find you? On Facebook in the AV uh, group. And also for me, Dr. Diamond Doug, you can find me on the Facebook, crew, uh, Facebook page as well. Um, you can find Adventures in Videoland on Instagram. And also the webpage, adventuresinvideoland.com. But the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. You've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Until next time, Videolanders, remember me. Yeah, I don't think that works for us oh, either, you know? No. How about this? Wait, how about... <laughs> oh, please, no. I, I, I think that we should end like this. Okay. We, we love, love you. you. Yeah.